Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. Sitting here with Jared Gifford yet again. Jared, as always, it is fantastic to have you on the show. It's always good to be here. Now, we have come up with some ideas for this podcast that is actually going to blow your mind because we have a subject that we want to touch on that I believe a whole lot of people really, really enjoy. But before we get into that, Let's get up some up-to-date news as to Kickstarters, um, things that were successful, things that are coming up, things that people get to look forward to for Crazy Monkey, well, other let's, avenues. Let's call, let's call it our State of the Union, the, 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 okay. the, state of, the current state of affairs for Crazy Monkey, Inc. Okay. Now, with the Brian J.O. Glass, Caden Slark is Furious number 1 Kickstarter, fully funded, Victor Santos... Um, stretch, goal. stretch goal was reached, which is amazing because I was literally at the bits trying to figure out, okay, are we going to get this stretch goal? Yeah. And then bam, out of left field, we got yeah. it. And yeah. so we've got some amazing stuff for people that pledged mm-hmm. and got that thing to where it needed to be. Again, everybody that pledged, everybody that listens to this podcast that pledged, thank mm-hmm. you so much. You are the reason why we do comics. You are the reason why this Kickstarter was so successfully funded. Thank you very much. It could not be a thing without you guys helping us out. So again, thank you very much. Oh, and I agree. Uh, you know, thanks to all the fans. Thanks to all the people who support. You know, and uh, and, and then also the thing is, it's just it's just a really great story because mm-hmm. you know I've 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 read um, his his original first volume run of Furious that he did over Dark Horse, and which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, he he had a really good kind of uh, you know it was a really great sort of different take on the superhero genre, um, and and you basically had <coughs> a superhero that actually had. Uh, you know, um, kind of like complex, a jaded past. Well, yeah, jaded past. Well, complex human problems. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is, is it wasn't just like, like, you no, know, I'm the superhero and and and, and I've got no problems. Um, you know, it's uh, no, it, it it was pretty much she was, you know, she she one of the reasons that she tried to take up the mantle of a superhero mm-hmm. was she wanted to get away from her jaded past. Exactly, and unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. in the comic, the past slowly crept up on her and it was almost like mm-hmm. it was too much to handle for a bit and then she kind of had to figure out how to break through that horrible past and make everybody realize look i've changed i've done horrible things in the past but i've recompensed and you guys need to forgive me for it and the graphic novel that's coming out that people have put money towards it is amazing the writing that Brian J. O. Glass does because he's so intricate with his scripts and he gives so much detail that when you actually see it and you read it as a full comic, you can visualize in your head exactly how he did panel for panel, word yeah. for word, how he made this come to life. And it's oh, yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it, you know, it, 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 it um, at least the comic, the, the, the comic book itself, you know, as I was... Uh, you know, you know, and uh, as I've read through it, um, it's 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 really kind of set up like almost kind of like a, a Hollywood movie in a way. Exactly. Um, yeah, very much. Um, and and yeah, and this is a this is a character with 
with, with, with who actually has problems and, and who actually has to deal with them. And, and, and like I said, here's the hilarious thing, and I love the sort of um, conundrum he puts on her is the fact that that most other superheroes wear a mask because they're trying to protect a loved one. Mm-hmm. She wears a mask because if people found out who she was, they'd hate her. Exactly. And I know that some people would see that as kind of a selfish thing, but you gotta, you got to put it into the character's perspective. If you'd done all this horrible stuff and you didn't want to be recognized and be shamed yet again for your past, you would want to make a pseudo-persona so that that would basically, in a way, go away. Oh, yeah. But once again, I want to thank everybody who has contributed to this uh, to the new Cadence Arcus Furious. This new volume is going to be awesome. You know, I've, I've already seen some of the pages that they've already put out there. The pages are gorgeous. Oh, they look awesome. New, new artist Samir Samal is doing an excellent job with the character. Um... And for those of you who don't know, um, the, um, the original artist, Victor Santos, is actually going to be doing covers for this series. Exactly. Um, and the covers that he's come out with and the variants that he's come out with, mm-hmm. they're phenomenal. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're just, they're just awesome looking. Um, and then also, I want to comment before we, uh, before we get into the big subject that we're, uh, that, uh, that we're going to get into today is um, I also want want people to know that next Kickstarter coming up, and we're going to be planning out for this one really soon, <laughs> is Darum number four. Ne- next Kickstarter coming up on the books is Darum number four. See, and I know I have drilled this into your brain. I am so damn excited for Darum number four. I've got... I've got so many copies in number one, so many copies in number two, and I want to get a couple more copies in number three, but when mm. number four comes out, god damn, yeah. that's just going to be amazing because mm-hmm. you have crafted this absolute amazing cast that I don't think anybody else has got the balls to bring to life because you have brought Darum mm-hmm. to the forefront of what it's like to be in space and have to you know, basically help the little guy yeah. from a, a corrupt galactic government who is just hell-bent on keeping people in, like, a stringent, tight regime-type structure. Yeah. And all Darren wants to do is make it fair and just for everybody, yeah. and that's what he's got to fight against. He's, and it's just crazy. He's, he's, and that's the thing. He's, he's, he's sticking up so that people can live their regular lives. Exactly. Um, the, the problem is, is you, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, once again, it could be my... Because uh, I, I, I have a tendency to have an anti-authoritarian stance on many things. Um, I don't. I don't think that people are meant to be controlled. They're not. That, that, yeah, that's that's just my whole take on that. My my whole take on society is that people are not meant to be controlled. Um, and to me, there's a difference between being controlled and being guided. Guidance can actually be a good thing, um, but being controlled, being told what to do. Um, no, I'm I'm very much against that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and 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 I think it definitely shows in the scripts that I've written. And and yeah, Darren's very much he's he's like he um, he's he's like the the only the only voice of uh, or at least the only loud voice mm-hmm. the only discernible loud voice uh, against 
the tyranny that's going on in this galaxy. Yeah. Everybody, everybody else is basically trying to like, oh, don't don't piss people off. We gotta, we gotta go along to get along, and blah blah yeah. blah, blah, blah blah. And and Darum's one of the few people that's basically saying, no, no, you gotta fight for your livelihood. You know, the whole thing is is like you you can't let these people tell you that you have to live this horrible, miserable existence. You you as an individual have the right to say I'm not going to take this crap anymore and I'm going to live my life the way I think is right. And with how Darum does it, it, it he has such a bold and strategic way about how he goes about doing missions and getting his point across, it's almost like you want to read the next issue because mm. you're like, okay, if he did this and this issue, he's only going to be amping it up in the next issue. So with number mm. four coming out, you're just waiting. You're like, all right, how is this going to go down? Exactly. And as you've said before, this is a prison break. Mm -hmm. And if anybody knows or has ever read a comic or has ever seen a show about prison breaks, you got to know up front and just right smashing right in the face that prison breaks they're ugly mm -hmm. there's like a ton of action there's a ton of people that you well, know that's what I'm saying. That every, every, well every prison break is going to be that way the whole thing is is that and that's one of the reasons why i wrote it it's like um some of my favorite old sci-fis um always had that in fact interesting enough i was inspired um, and this, and this was where some of the ideas came from. Mm -hmm. Don't mind revealing it to people. I was inspired by an episode, uh, by, by an episode of, uh, the, uh, late, late 70s, early 80s Buck Rogers series. There was actually an episode where Buck Rogers had to go in and free this criminal because she, because, because she actually had information on, um, on a guy, um, who, who they wanted to take down because he was like, you know, this international criminal. He had murdered a bunch of people. And, mm -hmm. and, and in fact, she was actually one of the people on his hit list because he was trying to get rid of anybody who would, who potentially knew about what this guy was doing. Yeah. Um, and so he was, he was, uh, and, and interesting enough, uh, yeah, the prisoner he has to go and free is actually a, is actually a younger Jamie Lee Curtis. Interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, uh, and anyway, yeah, um, I got a lot of the inspiration from that episode, and then uh, and, and and I just kind of took put my own spin on that and everything. And uh, in 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 you know in in, in this case, uh, and I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But uh, um, but uh, but I will at least give you this. In this case, he goes down there to release some uh, release some slaves. That uh, that the galactic government has captured. Okay. And and uh, yeah, and basically he's 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 he wants to go there to to free the people out of those labor camps. Um, <clears throat> you know, liberate them. And uh, and he, and anyway, yeah, just a whole bunch of cool stuff uh, happens. Well, in fact, I think they I even mentioned so in the third issue that that's what they were doing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm not giving too much away. <laughs> not not really. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no. In this one, what the things I can guarantee without giving the plot away, uh, um, issue number four is going to have um, ton of ton of a ton of fist fighting, a ton of shootouts, ton of explosions. Exactly. Uh, you know, um, and uh, and then and then basically, you know, if if you just love a lot of badass 
action number four is going to satisfy you. <laughs> I know I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and I want people to look forward to it. It's, it's going to have... It's got... For those who, uh, who have seen some of the artwork, it's going to have an awesome cover from Samir Samal. Mm -hmm. And then we actually are going to have two alternate bits of artwork which are going to be featured inside the comic done by uh, 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 done by house artist slash genius Gasparo Rico um and uh who's currently working on Taxi Gap yeah, Joe number also two yeah currently working on Taxi Gap Joe number two in fact he's uh he's he, he uh he, he's already up to what page 16 now yeah, he's gonna be working on page sixteen because I believe he's almost done with the Italian Comic Cons that he's been at because he had to take a break from page fifteen to go and do those two big Comic Cons over in Italy, yeah. and I, I don't fault the guy. I mean, he's he's throwing Crazy Monkey Ink out there like crazy, showing his art, and yeah. if you ever get to see the art outside of his comics, just the stuff that he does with his watercolors and just mm -hmm. all the splashes he does, like. Yeah. Um, He's done the Joker. He's done Batman. He's done. Mm -hmm. He even did a Donnie Darko bunny that looks freaking awesome. Oh, he yeah. did. It. He also actually did a Darum one that looked absolutely fantastic. He's done a Darum one, but then he's also done another one which was really freaking awesome. And I, I've, I've got to get this from him sometime. I've, I've. What's so funny is whenever I've seen it pop up, I've never had the money. It's yeah. so sad. But no, I, I really want to get this one. He had a really awesome. Uh, a really awesome piece of artwork that he did that, that was a Captain Harlock artwork, and it was really awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> and so and that's actually one of the reasons why I like why I like working with him because he actually gets the references. Uh, um, Gasper really seems to understand that Darum. A lot of the big inspiration for that character that I had was from Captain Harlock, and. And, and he seems to just really get that, but as I said, what he does is he he takes it and he uses and he, and he uses like what I'd call like a, like a kind of an homage thing. Mm -hmm. it, it homages Captain Harlock, but at the same time, it's not Captain Harlock. It's its own thing. It's Darum. Yeah. Um. So the whole thing is is that I, I always think that there there that that you can. I always think that you can, um, you know. Uh, make something that you can obviously see the influences in but then but then um but then it is wholly its own thing so so many other people will either say that something's a ripoff or something's original um or or they like to go the opposite direction and say that there's no such thing as anything being original i think you can actually do both you can I, yeah i think that you can have something that pays tribute to the past mm -hmm. but at the same time has its own voice and ha and is really its own thing i i have the same beef as you do yeah. is because there are so many people and it it doesn't necessarily irritate me it really it makes me kind of pity those kind of people because when they say that there's nothing original left um to go off of or to make i I, I tend to scoff at them mm -hmm. because you look at all of these new comics coming out. You look at all these new movies coming out. You look at it. You look at new car designs. You look at you know new toys, new, new everything. Well, sure, they may be taking a blueprint of something that's already been, but mm -hmm. then they are making it better. They are mm -hmm. making it something newer. 
You know, that, you, you know don't get me wrong. You take yeah. you take a guy like Superman, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's your quintessential awesome superhero down to earth. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're uh, sort of your good guy template. Exactly. And you take him, and then you pile on all the other superheroes that have come after him. Mm-hmm. They're going off of that template, but they're yeah. making something original and new. Exactly. The whole thing is that... Uh, you know, and a lot of people don't give don't give credit to that, or you know, it's like some think they resent giving credit to it, but but that's what I'm saying is that well, they want to feel like they're the ones that came up with the original idea when that is not the case. Um, or or in this case, you know, it's like I don't, you know, me personally, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna state that I know definitively where all the bitterness comes from. Yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, what I am <laughs> going to say, what I am going to say is that it, you know, just yeah, a lot like what you had you had stated is that um, with with you, you, you when you have certain characters, yeah, you know, you're gonna have you're, you're always gonna do this as a creator. You're always going to do this. You're always going to take from what you know, and what you know means a lot of the stuff that you grew up with and a lot of stuff that you end up liking. I mean. You know, even, you know, hell, you brought up Superman. And I love the fact that you brought that up. Here is the thing. He wasn't wholly his own person either. Nope. A lot of people may be shocked to know that people like Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster, the guys who created Superman, they they borrowed a lot of traits from, from Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Mm-hmm. They borrowed a lot of traits from Tarzan. You know, they borrowed a lot of traits from a lot of the guys who were doing doing comic strips in the newspapers at the time. Yeah, you so know. even Superman, as original as he seems, and as amazing as he is, and he is still mm-hmm. amazing, well, he, he still, even he, came from ideas from the past. Well, and I'm not trying to do that as, as, as an argument for, like, saying he's unoriginal. Oh, Because no. he, he is still his own character, but it, but, it, but, I, but it goes to the heart of what I was saying, is that you all, every character is, is a blend of both. It, it takes from other characters, but then they are wholly their own character because of the fact that, once again, perception's always going to be different. The way I look at things is not the way you look at things, or the way that your neighbor's going to look at things, or even the way that maybe your, your wife looks at things. The whole thing is, is everybody's got their own unique point of view. And every character that you have, I mean, unless you're just copying and pasting exactly what another person did. Which is plagiarism. Yeah, which, yeah that would be plagiarism. <laughs> All you need is maybe a comic book and a, and a photocopier. Exactly. Um, but what I'm saying is now that would be plagiarism. Yeah. But, but if you have a character that's got similar traits to someone else, but they are still, um, but they are still wholly unique in their own personality and they're based on people that you know. Yeah. Then, then no, that's actually still a little bit of a blind. It's a little bit original, but then also borrowing a little bit from the past. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna go with something, say mm-hmm. a little, a little kind of newer, but not because he's he's been around for a couple of years. Yeah. Look at Deadpool. Oh, yeah, exactly. The opposite of Deadpool. What's the opposite of Deadpool? The opposite of Deadpool. Well, let's see. Deadpool. The dark side. Well, or is it Deadshot? Is it Deadshot? Oh, uh, you're talking about, um, oh, wait, 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 you're talking about, um, you're talking, you're talking about, oh, basically DC's equivalent to Deadpool. Yeah, the equivalent, uh, yeah. Um, but not, not quite, because he's not, because uh, what Deadpool has a unique and was really going for him is, yeah, he's an assassin, 
Um, just like Deathstroke. Yeah, Deathstroke. And I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about, mm-hmm. Deathstroke. Um, but, um, but here's where they differ, and here's why they are still wholly their own unique characters. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Deadpool is much more slapsticky, much more of a, and he breaks the fourth wall a lot, and he's much, it's much more, Deadpool, I, I, I would put as maybe like a satire on, yeah. on comic book tropes. Not a satyr, a satire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but, but, uh, but basically, but basically his is more like, Deadpool's like, was like the mad magazine of the Marvel Universe. It's it basically, really is. It's, it's, it's never to be taken ultimately seriously. Um, and then Deathstroke actually is a much more serious character. While he may be, uh, similar to Deadpool in the fact that, yeah, he is an assassin and he's very powerful, and he's, and he's very, and he's very powerful, um, but then also, but then also, um, the thing is, is that uh, his personality is actually very different. Yeah. Because um, so he's more serious. Yeah, he's more. He's got more of the bounty hunter type of serious. Yeah, and, and vibrato this, about. You know, and this was that's actually one of the things I want to let people know uh, right now uh, as we're talking on this podcast is uh, I. I, um, you know, I want people to know that, you know, because that always happens a lot, is, um, you get, um, um, you get a lot of people basically say, oh, well, Deathstroke and Deadpool are basically the same characters at different companies, and that's not necessarily true at all, because those are just for people who just look at them offhand and be like, oh, well, character. See, and that's actually read it. that's actually um, kind of irritating as, as because said, if you look at the two characters, mm-hmm. there's very, very distinct properties that are yeah. different. As I said, it, and, and a lot of it deals in their personalities. Mm-hmm. As I said, Deadpool is very much a slapstick thing, and his is more of a satire on superhero comics in general. Yeah. Um, with Deathstroke, he's actually much more of a serious kind of assassin character. Yeah. And and he's actually been featured as a villain in many different DC comic books. He really has. Um so yeah, so as I said, oh, uh, as I said, um so so that's where I would say that they are that they differ, you know. They're similar but they're not exactly the same. In fact, the only places where they're similar is the fact that they're both assassins and then they're both enhanced individuals yeah um but other than that no i mean when you get down to it personality wise they're two very different people and i really really enjoy both of the comics because you can get both sides of the spectrum from reading both comics yeah from the same exact type of job yeah they're they're essentially mercenaries for hire it's just one has a more serious way of dealing with it than another. And uh, well, and actually, I don't like the fact that you go into like uh, you're talking about action characters and characters that uh, that that are like that because because that actually helps give me a good segue into the next segment that we wanted to bring up. Exactly is uh, is uh, you and I um, and especially recently have really beginning into um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the old. Uh, samurai movies and uh, and and uh, and series and whatnot. Yeah. Um, like me, I've I've recently rediscovered a lot of the old Akira Kurosawa stuff, and uh, and a lot of the stuff that had starred Toshiro Mifune. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, 
I know that you and I are both fans of things like, say, Samurai Jack, mm-hmm. and uh, and then also Samurai Champloo. Yes. Um, if you haven't yeah. gotten a chance to watch yeah. Samurai Champloo, yeah. oh my gosh, it is well, so it, funny. And and once again, I, I'm not going to keep it completely Samurai theme, but like we can throw ninjas in there. But, the, yeah. but then there's great, really great stuff like we got Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I, I've mentioned this comic before on one of our last podcasts, but I'll, I still want to bring it up again. Usagi Ujimbo, really awesome, uh, really awesome samurai comic book. See, and I still have to yeah. read that, you yeah. know, because I've got to yeah. get myself attuned to yeah. Usagi Ujimbo because you keep on bringing him up, and I'm yeah. just like, well, God damn it. You know, he must, this must be something that is extremely amazing. And why I haven't jumped on board is maybe because I'm a tad, um, I'm a tad hesitant, but that's only because I'm, I have this really weird, odd, awkward fear of new things. I always have. But when Jared tells me of something new, he kind of eases me into it. He's not like, read this. (laughs) <laughs> he's not an asshole about it. So when he first it, it showed me Usagi Ujimbo, I was a little hesitant. But now that we've talked about it for an extensive amount of time, I'm starting to warm it up to it, you know, kind of feeling the bristles of it. So I'm going <laughs> to give it a go yeah. because he has never steered me wrong in a comic, a video game, um, a graphic novel. He's never steered me wrong in anything um media-wise, because him and I essentially have the same taste in pretty much everything, video Mm -hmm. games and stuff like that. So I got to give you props, because you've never not once suggested Mm -hmm. something where I'm like, oh, this is hella dumb. So, (laughs) and in a segue into that, I want to bring up a couple of video game franchises about ninjas that I hold near and dear to my heart, because... Not only have you played them, but we've played them together, and we have just like mm-hmm. we've gotten down and dirty, gritty, sworn, just like well, one thing all we, sorts well, of really cool stuff. One thing we always have to get uh, right out the door in this. Like, if anybody doesn't know this video game series, it's a, it's a sad day. Uh, Ninja Gaiden. Oh yes, and it's not Ninja Gaiden. Like I've heard, or or what a lot a lot of people like to say, Ninja Gaiden. Ninja, no, it's not. It's, it's not Ninja a Ninja Gaiden. It's not a video game about a gay ninja. Okay, <laughs> he's not like slicing, you know, Z's in the air. <laughs> um, it's Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. And when I first got the first very Ninja Gaiden on the NES, mm-hmm. I got to see Ryu Habushi. And uh, mm-hmm. I was, like, blown away because it was the very first video game that actually had a story, a cinematic story behind it. Oh, yeah, because not a lot of Nintendo games had that back then, especially considering the um, the graphical um, limitations they had back then. And, uh, and no, I, I mean, yeah, I, the thing was, I remember watching this kid. It's like, I know kids nowadays are going to watch it and be like, oh, this is stupid. How could you have liked this back then? But what they don't get... What they don't get is if you were there, mm-hmm. if you if you grew up with like Atari graphics like we did, um, this was amazing. I mean, when the Nintendo uh, was released, 
and we started seeing games that actually were longer than like three screens. <laughs> this was this was amazing to us. This was blowing our small minds. It's like, oh but, my god, you mean there's more than it? There's more than countless levels where you could die and then have to go from the very beginning again. Well, and and, and it, w it was less emphasis on points. It was it was actually more about telling a story. I mean, this is when I mean this was a, you know the, the whole thing is like a, a lot of people don't realize what a game changer this thing was. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, yeah, because because um, when you started getting games like like things like like Legend of Zelda. Um, Castlevania, yeah, and then as, as we we just point to point out uh, the Ninja Gaiden stuff. These were games that you know it's like nobody had elaborate stories in video games up to that point. No, it, it was, was it was basically just it, well, there were simple the yeah, there were simple premises. It was basically like get enough points to get to the next stage. Yeah, um, though that's what pretty much video games beforehand. When you started having these complex stories, then it was like, yeah, then it was, I mean, this was like, to, to us kids, this was like a movie. Yeah, as I, as I pointed out, kids nowadays might not get that, because they're going to be like, oh, well, the graphics are horrible, how could you guys like this? But when, when that was all you had, and <laughs> guess that, and coming from the Atari days into the Nintendo days... This was this was like I said. This was like movie scenes. Us, we went and we saw that Ninja Gaiden stuff, and we're like, oh my gosh, there's actually cutscenes. <laughs> and what's interesting is not a whole lot of people know this, but Ninja Gaiden's uh, cinematic part of the video game actually was a revolutionary system that gave way to Final Fantasy doing it. And Final mm -hmm. Fantasy had taken yeah. what. Um, Ryu Hayabushi had done with Ninja Gaiden and yeah. his story, and they just went all over the freaking place. This is like a whole oh, cinematic yeah. universe with Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah, and then, and then they just furthered it in the next generation console, which was the SNES. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying is, uh, and, and, um, and so that, this was a big thing. But yeah, I'd have to say one of my favorite. Um, uh, ninja type video game franchises. Uh, yes, yeah, Ninja Gaiden, um, and then uh, and then there was even several others that were that were actually uh, very good too. That I think might have been rated classics. Um, I actually played this. It was it was originally for the um, it was originally for the Sega systems, but they but I think Tenjin, I know what you're talking about. Well, but 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 Tenjin had come out with a version for Nintendo, and it was a Shinobi. Yes. Shinobi was another one that I really liked. Shinobi was awesome. Oh yeah, but but what a lot of people don't know is like some of the sequels were actually even better. Um, some of the ones I really like is like a, the two best ones is the Revenge of Shinobi and then Shinobi Three. I really enjoyed the Shinobi series because not only did it take from what Ninja Gaiden had done, mm -hmm. it basically turned Ninja Gaiden on its head. Oh yeah, well it, it furthered. It furthered the ninja genre up until that point, and as I said, and then and there's even some really great, uh, the, the, you know, samurai uh, theme stuff, as I said, but uh, and, and 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 even uh, ninja based stuff, and this is like all the great stuff we grew up on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I remember some movie series, uh, you know, from from that time period and everything. Is, uh, it's really cheesy by today's standards because I went and revisited it and I was like, oh wow, I liked this as a kid. But as a kid, I really did like this series. Is uh, um, Canon Films had a series of films called American Ninja, mm -hmm. 
And as a kid, I used to love that. I, I used to think it was awesome. You know, you had these, you had these guys, and, and, and they were fighting against ninjas and ninja clans and blah 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 blah. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. But uh, <laughs> I will admit, I will full on admit, this was one of the things that have not aged well. I no. went back and I re and I rewatched these things recently. And I was like, wow. It's like I used to like this as a kid. Exactly. Now. I've got to say this. I know it's um, 30 minutes into the podcast, but i got to say this Go as um, kind of a reminder for the listeners. Crazy Mike Inc. podcast is a very mature type of podcast. So if you're letting your child listen to what we are talking about, first off, I want uh, you to know right up front I'm not going to be apologetic for the stuff that we talk about because, as you know, we make mature comics. We we make mature content. We talk about mature themes. So if you are letting someone under the age of 18 listen to this, I would strongly advise you to not. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely would agree with that. Um, mature minds should be listening to this. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not... I'm not here to lecture people on how they should parent. Exactly. That's up to the parents themselves. However, however, I want to be straight up front, just exactly as you have been, in the fact that, that no, this, this, is, this is a mature podcast. We, not, you know, not that we get, any, get anything horribly dirty in this one, but the whole thing is we, 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 we speak in an adult way. We, you know, the thing is, like we swear, we don't apologize for it. We we bring up subjects that um, uh, that that might be more on the mature level, not necessarily in a salacious kind of way. Yeah. But more, just more in the fact that we deal with, uh, you know, it's like we 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 talk about blood and guts on this thing. We talk about graphic stuff, and 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 the whole thing is is that you know if you don't want young minds to be hearing that no this is this is basically our fair warning right now is if you don't want young minds hearing that you you might not want to subject your kids to this podcast and i should have said this at the beginning of the podcast and i apologize for not however i'm going to reiterate if you are under the age of 18 and you are listening to this I was strongly advised to stop because I don't want any backlash from a parent saying, oh, well, they heard your podcast and you talk too graphically or you swear too much or the stuff that you talk about is a little tab taboo for young ears because then I have to defend myself and basically have to be the asshole and say, well, it's my podcast. I can do whatever the hell I want and I don't want to go that route. So to save me and Jared some grief... If you're under the age of 18, either get your parents' consent, listen to it with them, or just don't listen to it. Because I don't necessarily like having to defend what I do. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like, uh, we're, we're, we're going to do what we do and we're not going to apologize for it. So we want to give the listeners fair warning in the fact that... If these, if what, if the stuff we talk about and the things that you hear about on this podcast offend you, I would urge you to find something else to listen to because we are obviously not the podcast for you. 
Now, we hope many of you stay with us, and we hope that many of you like the content we're bringing you. And we hope that a lot of you that listen to this will share with your friends what we are talking about. Because not only are we talking about entertainment, not only are we talking about um, video games, we also talk and bring out topics that are very near and dear to us. Um, we had a we had a suicide prevention podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, we'll be talking about um, those kind of subjects and other ones that come up as they as they pertain to the podcast. So just so you know, this isn't always about Crazy Monkey Inc. This is about as a collective whole about bringing ideas and bringing new ways of thinking of things to the forefront to the masses, so that they understand that you know. You can think outside the box. You don't have to be crowded. You don't have to feel that you're the only one that thinks these ideas. Because as it goes on, we feel that what we talk about, mm-hmm. it matters. And it only yeah. doesn't only just matter to us. We know that yeah. it matters to other people. That's why we bring those topics up. Exactly. And as I said, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, um, now I wanna, I wanna get, I wanna get back on track now. Um, okay. So. So now that we've got the disclaimer out of the way, I want to get back on track, and I actually wanted to start going through our list of our of some of our personal favorite samurai and or ninja movies. Um, first, I'm going to go off on my list of samurai stuff because I've actually I've actually been going and rediscovering <coughs> some some of the older samurai movies, as I said. Okay. Um, and and I'll admit, like it's like I I I went and I rediscovered uh, Seven Samurai, and that's that's a really awesome one. If for those of you, I mean, many of you might have at least heard of Seven Samurai. Um, and for those who are completely unfamiliar, or for maybe those who've never seen the movie, the whole thing is is that it's um, it the the premise is this: is that you have you you have this village was getting played by bandits. Mm-hmm. And the uh, two villagers go out to hire uh, to hire some samurai to protect their village. Um, an older samurai ends up assem- assembling a group, which ends up going to about seven samurai, and they help defend this village from bandits. And it's actually a very good, very awesome story. I mean, like I said, I simplify it too much, but uh, but no, it's really good. It's got a lot of heart. The characters are all indiv- individuals, and 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 they're very unique personalities, and I love them all. Um, and and if, for those of you who said, "Wow, that premise sounds really familiar," well, let me fill you in. <laughs> um, if you've ever seen the Magnificent Seven, whether it's the whether it's the uh, the 1960s version or the or the newer version that just came out, I'd say, what, maybe a year or so ago. Yeah. The whole thing is, um, that movie was was directly influenced and based on the same story as Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai is the original story. You know, Seven Samurai is yeah. actually a lot older it is. than that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, well, Seven Samurai came out in 1954. Yeah. And, as I said, the original Magnificent Seven came out in about 1960, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the newer Magnificent Seven came out, I believe it was last year. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, and so, either way, both of those are based off Seven Samurai. And then also, other movies that I really liked, that I've really picked up and I got to like. Uh, Rashomon is a really good one. It's actually, um, it's actually the story of, um, once again, it's, it's perception and points of view. From, um, 
It, but it's, 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 a, it's about a rape and a murder from four different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases it seems more innocent, in some cases it seems more sinister. But what I love about it is it basically goes to show you that every incident that happens out there is viewed differently from the person who's seeing it. So, it just exactly like in real life is that if you can have an incident that's seen by like uh, by by several different people mm-hmm. and you notice that in, in many cases many of them can't come out <clears> to <throat> a consensus as to what actually happened because one person has their version of it the other person has other but it's all because of the way they perceived it your perception colors the way that you remember things and that's that's actually what this movie deals with, which I think is a really awesome concept for the time. I mean, this this movie came out in 1950, mm-hmm. and that was a pretty unique concept at the time. But as I said, and then also, um, like I, I really like um, I really like uh, the Samurai trilogy. I just I just watched that recently, and for those those who follow my Facebook posts, and for those who don't know, my Facebook is. Um, uh, my, my uh, just look for just over Jared Gifford on on uh, on Facebook. Um, my avatar is gonna be obvious because it's gonna be Darum. <laughs> so, yeah. So you know, for those who are familiar with my work, you know, find me on Facebook. And anyway, one of the things I do is I do little mini movie reviews. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch a movie, I'll basically comment on what I thought about it and maybe give a brief synopsis of what the plot is. Um, and anyway, I have recently watched what's known as the Samurai Trilogy. And the Samurai Trilogy is, is it's, it's an over-dramatized, it's, it's a dramatized version. The dramatized version, but it's, it's, it's a dramatized version of the life of Miyamoto Musashi. Mm-hmm. Um... Or Masashi Miyamoto, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I got his name all backwards, I'm sorry. But Musashi Miyamoto. And, uh, and anyway, for those who aren't familiar with who Masashi is, he was considered to be one of the greatest samurais in all of Japan. Yeah. Like the greatest swordsman ever. Um, and, and, you know, they have like legends about him and everything. Anyway, um, anyway uh, the movie's broken up into three parts. And each part runs at about anywhere from anywhere from um, an hour and thirty minutes to an hour and forty minutes, um, and um, the the uh, to give you a brief synopsis without giving too much away, the first movie deals with Musashi in his youth when he was a when he was a brash young man, um, and uh, when he's a brash young man named uh, 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 Takazo. And, uh, and, and basically, he wants to prove himself in battle. But the problem is, is he seems to think that, that aggression and bravery is all he needs. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and he finds out real quick that he has to discipline himself. Um, and, then, um, and then the second movie deals with him also learning that not only do you have to discipline yourself, but... You also have to learn how um, how to not um, um, how to not come to anger quickly. That you basically <laughs> your soul has to be at peace. Um, and uh, 
and and and, uh, and then basically uh, he the, that's the lesson that has to be learned in that one. And then the the final movie, the final movie deals with him basically, um, with him coming uh, sort of uh, sort of bringing all these lessons together and kind of seeing what he's learned. Um, and, uh, and, no, it's a really, really great story. I mean, if this tells you anything about, about how it is, is that, uh, the Samurai Trilogy is, is, is called, quite frequently, the Gone with the Wind of Japanese cinema. True, because it's almost like, in a way, it's the quintessential of samurai movies. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then other ones that are really great, uh, that I would urge people to watch, they have Throne of Blood... Mm-hmm. Which is actually a samurai version of Macbeth, and that one's uh, actually, if yeah. anybody's ever read Macbeth by uh, William Shakespeare, and then you watch this movie, you'll see so many of the elements from Macbeth in it, mm-hmm. and how they weave the story is it's it's magnificent. It's like it's crazy amazing how they wow. make it fit. Oh yeah, exactly. And uh, another one I would suggest is The Hidden Fortress. And for those that don't know The Hidden Fortress, well, one thing I'll tell you, this is the direct inspiration for Star Wars. It is. George Lucas was inspired by The Hidden Fortress. Because let me fill you in what The Hidden Fortress is about, and let me see if you find out how familiar it is. Mm-hmm. The, the story of The Hidden Fortress, star, uh, it, it, has this, it has this samurai that basically has to go and... And save this princess from uh, from this tyrannical warlord, and uh, and he's basically aided by 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 two goofball minions. Gee, that doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 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 that 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 was what directly influenced Star Wars, and then um, and then another one. There's another series I I would totally urge people to watch in this. Uh, there's it's two it's two movies. One the first one's called Ujimbo, Second one's called Sanjiro. Mm-hmm. And it's about a wandering Ronin who um, who who uh, basically uh, um, in the first one he travels to a village that is pretty much um, in the midst of a gang war. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, and unfortunately the two there's two different groups that are vying for power in this village. And at first, what you think is that the, the at first you think the samurai is selfish, and then he only thinks of himself. But as you go throughout the course of the movie, you actually find out that um, that uh, that the samurai that uh, that that he actually is pitting the bosses against each other. Yeah. And and that he's cleverly basically trying to get them to wipe each other out. And then that way, when he has to take care of the rest of them, there's not much left to take care of, and then the village can end up being saved. Um, the second one, Sanjiro, actually deals with uh, what happens is, is that, uh, is, is that the, the main character, um, uh, um, he, he ends up meeting up with this other group of, uh, I guess what you'd call... Um, Amateur samurai. Mm-hmm. They're they're not they're not as they're they're not as grizzled and 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 and, uh, and, and as experienced as he is. Yeah. Anyway, um, what happens is um, they uh they they were play they they were basically uh 
planning to um, to overthrow um, overthrow the current emperor because of the fact that um, or like the current lord, I guess as you say, they were planning on overthrowing the current lord because uh, uh, you know because because he'd gotten too corrupt, and they were gonna and one of the main characters was gonna have, use his uncle to basically help him fight against these guys. But then what he found out was that his uncle betrayed him and that they ended up sending forces to basically kill that small group. Yeah. Anyway, what happens is the main uh, the main character, um, he, uh, he he finds this out really quick because, as I said, he's a grizzled veteran, so he knows what's up. And uh, he basically lets them know what's going on, that their uncle betrayed him, and, that, and then basically what he does is he... He basically trains them so that they can basically sneak in and take out these people who are trying to kill them, and then and then and then basically make it to where they they can take over and basically live a peaceful life. Um, anyway, the whole thing is is that uh, these these were also direct influences for what people know as the Man with No Name trilogy. All you know, and for those who don't know what that is, those are the movies with Clint Eastwood in them. Mm-hmm. And that they would be called a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. The good, the bad, and the ugly is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Although, fistful of dollars mm-hmm. was one that when I watched it, I had to watch it like five or six times because there's yeah. so many deep meanings within that movie. Mm-hmm. You can't just watch the damn thing once and be like, "Oh, that was amazing. That was an awesome movie." You've got to watch that damn thing at least four or five times mm-hmm. to get the deeper meanings of what Clint Eastwood had written into it because yeah. it's an interwoven story within the trilogy. Exactly, and no, I said this is really good. And uh, anyway, yeah, those are those are some uh, some of the the the, uh, the samurai movies I'd suggest. In terms of some of my favorite um, ninja movies, I'm going to go on a separate list for that one. Uh, um, I would I would. Um, I would completely suggest uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 1990 movie. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's actually a good one. Not in terms of, I'd say ninja stuff because, and I, and this is no disrespect to the creators of Ninja Turtles. I love Ninja Turtles; it's really good. But in terms of ninja stuff, it's really not so much ninjas. There's a lot of kung fu fighting and 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 weapons being used. Yeah. Um. What I would say is just in sheer terms of of just of just um, cool uh, cool fight scenes, cool story, and then and then you know t- to me, Shredder's got to be one of the best villains made. <laughs> True. Yeah, and then another one that I would totally suggest to anybody, and this is a very great ninja movie, is Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll is, is freaking awesome. I remember watching Ninja Scroll when it very first came out and just the sheer interesting plot that they had Mm -hmm. given Ninja Scroll it was almost like it hadn't been done before oh yeah and if it had it hadn't been done as intensely oh yeah exactly Uh, and that's what I'm saying is like uh, and, and that was another one that I really really liked um Oh, and and then also in terms of other um, other really great samurai movies that uh, that I've that I got to watch uh, that were really great is, um, and some people love it, some people hate it. I thought it was just amazing. Um, the Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. 
I thought that movie was amazing. That movie was, to me, the type of samurai movie that you think of nowadays as a samurai movie that incorporates pretty much everything that a samurai is. Oh, yeah, exactly. And when you kind of get, get the idea about it, and, and that's what I'm saying is... And what I like about it is, is and, and, and this goes with another um, anime that I like, uh, anime slash manga that I like, is um, it, it, it reminded me a little bit of, of Roroni Kenshin. Um, and I like the fact that it's got this, it, it's got this whole sort of um, modern meets old kind of feel to it. Because basically what you had was, this was during the time period when they were transitioning from the old samurai way and the old samurai code, and they were starting to introduce... Some of uh, some of the newer things, because basically they were they were no longer having emphasis on on swords, and they were having more emphasis on guns. Yeah. And um, and and they were starting to move more into sort of a Western way of thinking, um, like a Western type samurai. Yeah. Um. Well. Well. Basically, it was it was it was a it was an interesting different transitional time period, um, and. Last Samurai is based in that time period just as well as Ronan and Kenshin is based in that time period. Yeah. It was, it was when things were really starting to change in Japan. Um, it was, as I said, it was basically when they were starting to slowly phase out the old way of life, the old Samurai way of life, and then to bring in the more new industrial way of life. It was almost like they... It was almost the ending of an era and the more yeah. modernization of the mm -hmm. of the samurai that yeah. we now know. But one of the cool things that they ended up doing um, and, and, and they ended up adopting was that they said that even though they wouldn't they wouldn't be having what, what, what they knew as samurai anymore, they would actually still remember the remember the samurai and they would still make sure that the samurai code was remembered. Yeah, because um, I don't know if a whole lot of people know the samurai code, but one part of the samurai code that I really, really enjoy, and it's almost kind of like in a morbid type fantasy about it, is if you screw up as a samurai... You have to take this honorary death upon yourself. Oh well, basically, it's it will because it's a dishonor to your master and it's a dishonor to your family. Um, if you've done anything to dishonor um, your ancestors and to dishonor your emperor, mm -hmm. basically that was considered a personal shame. And 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 yeah, and basically your your life. Your 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 life was basically it was like that was your penance. Your mm -hmm. life was your penance for for basically dishonoring your ancestors and dishonoring your emperor. And how you did it is you would take out your sword and you would basically impale yourself on your sword. Well, uh, sepulchre. Yeah. And so it it might sound like a gory way of doing it, uh, but. It, it had to be done. Yeah, exactly. Because it was uh, keeping with the code and keeping with the honor of what was supposed to be the samurai. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's totally fine. Um, 
Anyway, um, I think that's a pretty pretty good list now. I think we're gonna have to wrap it up here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and but uh, but to to wrap it to wrap wrap things up here and and to let people know, these are these are suggestions we have. Definitely, please check these movies out. Seek them out. I have a uh, one last suggestion before I go. Um, check out Forty Seven Ronin. I'd actually seen that recently. Good, good samurai movie, um, and, it, and it's underrated, and not a lot of people have seen it. Check that out. Um, and anyway, uh, these are pretty much suggestions we have. Um, you know, please check these out, and if you love them, share them, talk to people about them, and, you know, and then hopefully they'll like them too. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Jared, as always, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, yeah, no problem. And as always, show someone that you love them. Uplift someone with a kind word. Give them a hug. You know, tell them that they're worth something. Because there's way too much hate in the world, and there's just got to be a lot more love. So uplift someone with a kind word. Um, Help a grandma across the street (laughs) if you happen to find a grandma. Um, But the main thing is, and all kidding aside... Just do what you can to uplift someone else because it really does help throughout the day to know that someone else gives a shit about you. Yeah, exactly. So, as always, love yourselves, be excellent to each other, and above all else, come by next time for the next podcast because we're going to be, we got some other stuff cooking and you're going to want to be there for it because it is going to be a fantastic podcast. You guys have a fantastic night. This is Jared and I saying we love you guys, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a good one.